This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 858. Brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like, I mean, I guess you. Hello, welcome 
my fanboy pick of the week, episode 858. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I am here with Josh Flanagan. Hey, I screwed up the cat. There was right away I screwed up the script. Right That's away. Fine. It's good. It's good to get it out of the way early. Fine. It's just the two of us. There's no one else with us here, despite what the script says. No. And we are a fanboy. Every week we read a bunch of comics, or fewer comics because it's the fifth week. And one of us takes a look at that stack of digital comics, in this case, and says, well, I got to pick a, a good one. And they, they have to do that. And they called it the pick of the week. And, or we call it the pick of the week. It's not they. There's no they. There's no one controlling us. We're not puppets. Mm. We talk about, I don't even know where I am in the script anymore. I've got a headache. We talk about all those books, other books, maybe some listener mail. We have a good time. This There'll be spoilers. This is a review show, so exercise some caution. Josh, you had the distinction on this fifth week event, making the second to last pick of the week of the year. Okay. A couple of things is that, uh, one, this script has a look of a thing that was a missave. I'm like, I'm like, I really feel like I did this, but who knows? <laughs> so uh, I, like, I did the work. I was on it. I was, uh, I was diligent, but uh, this is just... This is a mess. So I admit that. Uh, That's fine. Because ultimately, it is my responsibility. Two. So earlier, I want to say on Sunday, you said, fifth week, there's nothing coming out this week. And to me, that used to be, cool, I'm not going to worry about it until Thursday. And then Thursday, I'm like, fuck. So this time. Well, you still got to look to see for context. You do. I don't make the best time management choices. We've talked about this. (laughs) But I have learned over the past year or so, more specifically, is that when you say there's not a lot of comics, I still always end up with 15 or 16 comics. Well, yeah, you and I have different, read different yeah. books. and yeah, yeah. I mean, I still had, I think I still had like 13. It wasn't like a tiny week. Like there's been fifth weeks where I've had like. No, and, and, and not only that, but several of them were giant books. Well, that's true too. It's the end of the year. I had 13 books plus, plus giant books. That's not, not nothing, but. Yeah, no, so it wasn't, so I was prepared, and I, and I really, like, I went for it. Like, I, I read everything I could find this week. Um, I read all of the, all of the long 80-page issues, because I was like, any of these could be patron pick, and I don't want to be scrambling sure. to read something Thursday night that I hate. Um, sure. Not, not to prejudge anything. Anyway, so that's where we are. I don't think that information or time was of any value to anyone but me. <laughs> Strange Academy Finals number two, or I guess it's number twenty in the in the yeah. sequence. Do they put legacy numbering on that? They did. They did. Okay, that's so that's dumb. Interesting. Legacy number twenty. <laughs> this is uh, by Scotty Young and Humberto Ramos. As always, that consistency is a really Key. big deal. Uh, color by Edgar Edgar Delgado, and then um, Clayton Cowles on letters. Who uh, Tom King has said is the best he is at what he does, which mm. is a comic book thing. Um, right. He's Wolverine. It really is a matter of just, this is another interesting issue in a long story, you know, a long single story about a bunch of characters who are relatively new. And I just, I was just into seeing what happened next. And I thought that there were some good character development things and just some structure things that I really liked, uh, in Mm -hmm. this issue, we there were there was a split. A bunch of the people went with the other girl who was the protagonist of the first one, but she became the big bad in this the second volume of it. And at the end of the last issue, a bunch of people were like, "Screw this, we're going back to school." And so the issue opens with as kids that do. happening. Yes, um, and so so two things happen in this first sequence that I really liked. Uh, one, you know, Doctor Voodoo, who can have any personality that somebody needs for a story. Yeah. Doesn't matter what he's really like. I don't know what he's like. For sure. He's he's whoever the story needs him to be. He's a cipher. Um, you know, he's like, I know this is going to be hard, 
but they're coming back. And then, you know, the, the, uh, Doyle, you know, gives the stink eye to the zombie girl and then instantly forgives her. So good to have you back. Okay. That conflict is avoided. We're not going to do that. Great choice. I, we already have two groups fighting. We don't need one of those groups in fighting. They, they fix right. that early on because the other group right. was in fighting. Well, I just send those people back. They send them back. We're not going to fight with them. Fine. Second part of that scene is that that didn't just set up those people coming back. Then they gave them chores. So we got a couple of pages of funny magic chores. Does that move the story forward? I don't know. <laughs> is it fun to read and watch and see how it gets drawn? Absolutely. A whole issue on cleaning. Yeah, I'm yeah. totally cool with that. Yeah, um, yeah. And then and then it sort of skips again where they have to find Calvin, who, by the way, I don't know, deserves all this attention. He's he's kind of a fuck up, but it's not his fault. You got to take care of people, blah, blah, blah. And they go after him and like then we're straight into drug dealers with the streets of Baltimore is what's going on with these magic <laughs> drug dealers in New Orleans. Right. Um, you know, and it turns into a different kind of story in the second half of it, which doesn't really connect to. Well, Calvin the, the, has been dealing dealing wishes like drugs. That they're not really right. drug dealers. They're they're wish dealers. It is all framed like drugs. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's, it's couched like drugs, but they're they're dealing actually wishes. But you know, it's been the story that's been going on for a while. I just think that what I don't want to say under the radar. I don't know how popular this book is. I don't know how it sells, but uh, feels like under the radar. They've Scotty Young and Humberto Ramos have created this really interesting world of characters. And I thought to myself already reading this, you know. People are always pushing, rightly so, for more diverse and younger characters. And here's a whole bunch of really interesting ones. Yeah. And no one's reading them or no one seems to care about them. I mean, like they're, they're, they're good characters. These are all good characters. Have you noticed the – I have noticed that when we're talking about new characters coming out, the young teams uh, tend to be the thing, you know, from back to Young Avengers, um, right. to Avengers Academy, to – um, and that the spinoff of that, which was the island, remember the island where they all went? Avengers Arena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was just a that was sort of continuation of Avengers Academy. Um, there was the Jason Aaron uh, X Men Wolverine School thing. Right. There's there's this like these work, and you you do end up with some of the characters are just you know versions uh, spinoffs of sure. ones that already exist, but but others aren't. You know, you got a zombie girl here. That's interesting. That's not a. Th I mean, it, it's it's very familiar in a way, but she's she's a different kind of character. You have, you know, Dor Dor Doyle is Dormammu's son, but it doesn't really feel like a spinoff of him. It's a, it's a different kind of thing. And you're right. You, and and because it's relatively long form, I mean, they went 18 issues with that first volume. Now we're two into this one. You know, it's it's one long serialized. Like this is what comics. This is this is what I think of as comics. This is what it should be. They're new yeah, characters. I don't want to step on our upcoming books blood, but. This does have the feel of the ongoing soap opera that other mm -hmm. comics don't have seem to have anymore. Yeah. And this this feels almost like a, a late 80s, early 90s style comic written in the modern way. Right. Really well. And, you know, at the same time, you have you have top talent on it. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's so weird. If you came into comics in the last two years, you'd be like, wow, this Scotty Young guy writes great comics. <laughs> you would have no idea right. that he was one of the most popular artists, you know. In he still comics, is just in, in his commissions, I suppose they're trying to Right, comics. but he doesn't do, you know, he'll do covers and he did right. the baby things. And and I, I, I know enough people now and I know the job enough that I don't blame anybody for that. Like, I, I used to be like, why does he draw internals? I, I, interiors, not internals. Um, it works, but I don't blame anybody for that. Drawing I totally is hard. get it. It's time consuming. Drawing's fun and hard, but drawing comic book sequentials 
day in, day out for a long time is not compatible with a lot of lifestyles that once you are successful enough, you may not have to live. Yeah, you know what it I mean? takes up it takes up so much time. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they don't get weekends, you know, they're, they're, they don't get time off. It's just, you know, and 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 then at the same time though, like it's in that same sense, you know, I've said this before, but like Scotty Young, like he's no longer like an artist who who writes comics. He writes great comics. Right. You know, and and it's it's just a really good series and I remember they sent us. They actually mailed us the first issues of this. Do you remember that? And I that do. never happens. Marvel never does that. And uh, in fact, we've been doing this for seventeen years. Uh huh. Well, we've been doing fanboy for twenty two years. I don't. Is that the only time Marvel's ever e- emailed a physical com- comic or out? Mailed, there? like mailed it. In uh, the mail. I don't. Probably. If it's happened, it's happened less than five times. Uh, I mean, less than three times. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they had different kind of events in the past, but it was a different world then. Um. You know, I just. An issue comes out, and there ne- there's never been a – we've never read this and been like, oh, that wasn't a great issue. Like, it's always no. interesting and fun and original, but while still having its, its fingers in the roots of Marvel, and on a week where nobody's doing anything really special, this kind of thing is the thing that shines. Is like, oh, good. But, you know, it's the it's the food you like to eat. You know, it's – it's it's and it always delivers uh, in that way. And it's a, it's a book you can give to younger mm-hmm. readers. <clears throat> you know that want to see you know more of their themselves ref- reflected in the book not even just from a racial standpoint but just from like a lifestyle like the kids mm-hmm. feel very and look you got two middle-aged guys doing this book but the kids feel mm-hmm. very authentic you know scotty has his young his finger on the pulse of the younger generation in a way i mean so <laughs> some of this felt there was one point here where i felt like a little old man writing kids but for the most part it's, been, it's felt pretty solid and I don't even know what yeah. I'm talking about because I don't know any kids. It feels like a very authentic school experience. And we've all been to school. School is fairly universal. The yeah. language changes a little bit. What I was going to say is that he writes his kids to seem at least younger than Brian Bendis's kids seem. Right. So. Brian Bendis's kids have always been 50-year-old men. Yeah. But. <laughs> They're just old men in the deli. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this was good. This was another good issue. I'm always, I'm always, there's always something in this book. That Humberto Ramos does. That's that's like oh look at that. There's one there's one panel here on page uh, thirteen where uh, the, the all the knives come flying at the characters and it's just circular panel um, construction that was fun. Oh yeah. There's always just something interesting and fun. His panels always have tons of uh, fun things and details and, and backgrounds and there's just a lot going on. It's amazing this this guy gets these books out like they. You does. know, one thing I like about Ramos is that. Um, in the past, like you would, like you know, be like, oh, he's that really cartoony, uh, impressionistic guy. Yeah, I don't even notice that anymore. I just notice like his storytelling and his his the energy on the page is is always really strong. Um, and you can you you can only get to be the cartoony impressionistic guy when your fundamentals are solid. Yes, yeah, because otherwise it's just a mess on the page. And he can do exaggerated, you know, anatomy. He can do exaggerated facial expressions he can have their mouths super wide open if his mm-hmm. fundamentals are there if they're not then it looks like a mess this yeah. and that's exactly the opposite i bet these kids are gonna appreciate the mindless ones more mm, sure i mean that's always the thing can you force kids to clean his sense of space yeah is really strong 
uh, you know, you had the, the, there's a scene that takes place in the bathroom and there's some really funny stuff in here too. Like the cleaning sequences are great. Yeah. You know, there's what you can see and then there's what you can see with your third eye and like in there it's really messed up. And then, so he's got this MC Escher like space that he's, he's then living in. Uh, you know, they go outside there having this barbecue and you actually see, you have a sense of the space that they're in. It's not just floating there. Right. Like you see the school in the background, you see the sort of you know, there's lights strung up, you have scale for everything. And I've noticed that through the whole thing is that the characters always seem to be rooted in a place. When they go into the streets of New Orleans, when they go into the alleys, they go into the basement, it always exists in a place. And a lot of folks don't do that. It, it really is like this this tiny thing that you can get away with not doing it. Um, mm-hmm. But he does it really well, and I noticed that. Yeah, this is a great book. If you haven't checked it out, I mean, there's, like, there's only been 20 issues. Mm-hmm. And uh, it might be a good gift if you're looking to give a, a comic to a younger reader. Maybe but just... that's a good long time to be in a story that is still compelling. I yeah. love that. Like it wasn't six issues, eight issues, twelve issues. Like we're just going to keep going with it. And, and, and it's basically still the same story we've been telling. I mean, yeah. the the whole thing with the with is it Cam? What is his name? Cam? Cam uh, uh, Doyle? Calvin? Well, the kid, the Calvin. Yeah, that's been going on since the beginning. You know, feeling like an outcast mm-hmm. in the group, and then re- being revealed he doesn't actually have powers and. Mm-hmm. That's all been, you know, this has basically been the story the whole time. Yeah. So it's been really good. Big issue out this week was Superman Kal-El Returns special number one. This was, I feel like we've had a lot of Kal-El Returns. I guess that's because that's been the little logo on all the Superman books, but. Sure. He's back. He's back. Let's, 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 we're, 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 let's finish this now. He's back. Um, I feel like he was dead, which he wasn't dead. He was just on another planet. And then at the end of this, like I'm just going to say the dumb thing, get out of the way. The last page of this, which is an oversized issue, uh, is Superman being zapped away to the events of Justice League 75 and then Dark Crisis. That was like six months ago <laughs> where he was, quote-unquote, killed with the rest of the Justice League. And like I, the, DC's a fucking nightmare. Anyway, I love the Mark Wade story so much. The concert that ate Gotham, which is basically yes. another Superman-Batman team up with art by Clayton Henry. And... You know, it was, that was almost, a, I think that was a full length comics length. I think it was 20 pages. No, yeah. It wasn't, it, it wasn't 20 pages. It was, they it was, all uh, seemed long. They weren't five, six page stories. It was 12 was pages. Yeah. You sat and in there for a while. That was pretty meaty and good. And it had a really great uh, repartee between Bruce and Clark while they were Batman and when they were out of their costumes. And mm-hmm. you really got the sense of them as friends here. Uh, there was a lot of, you know, making fun of each other. And, uh, you know, Batman saying he trained at the Cordon Bleu, and Clark's like, "But you didn't train at the Cordon Bleu. You were only trained for things that help you with justice." And so he's cooking for Clark. Like that was, it was just you could tell they were friends, and that's something you don't. Get. Mark Wade really gets it. We've been saying it over and over since Batman, Superman, uh, World's Finest. But man, he gets it. He really gets I, the DC well, universe. What's funny is that you watch them in this scene, and and Bruce has a big smile on his face. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if he'd do that. And then I thought, Mark Wade's saying he does, so he does. If another <laughs> writer did that, I'd be like, I'm not sure. But here I was like, this is what Mark Wade says. He's the one guy he's comfortable with. And like you like, then you get a sense of like, this is this is who this guy is under all of that. And it's too bad that he can't be that person. He well, he he is that person with his family. Uh depends. He's not this he's not this smiley, jokey guy, though. A little bit. I, I can't see him doing this with Tim. Yeah, yeah. When they, when he was younger, he would when he was content right. at home with Alfred and the and the boys and uh, Barbara and Cass and stuff. He's much more lighter. And here, 
you know, he makes a little joke about how he used his skills the Cordon Bleu to crack a diamond smuggling case, and Clark is like, you know, trying to figure out if he's telling the truth or not. And it's a little joke. It was fun. All of all of that stuff. Yes, you're absolutely right. So all that stuff aside about what they're doing, publishing wise, yeah. and everything, like I just went, okay, here's a handful of Superman stories, yes. and I'm I'm very happy about that because people tend to not do great with long term. Uh, superhero Superman stories, but he, short Superman stories can be really delightful, and I think you saw that. Um, I pretty much liked the Cena Grace Dean Haspiel story. Um, I didn't quite close. It didn't quite end correct. Well, something's weird about it. Like he's like, I finally got my picture, and I was like, we should probably see the picture that you got, <laughs> just as a thing. Um, well, that was the picture. It was the one of, of Superman floating, holding the other pictures. I know, but it wasn't super clear. Like, yeah. I don't like you could have not shown that, but shown it in a frame. That's that's me nitpicking. Um, the uh, uh, the 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 Marv Wolfen story was weird, but then when I saw it was Marv Wolfen, I was like, all right, that's great. But and I liked um, what's her name, uh, Naomi. I liked the bit where they went and had coffee and talked, and like he got to be. Yeah, that was the last Justice story. League. That was the Alex Segura story, which was my yep. uh, other. My, my two favorites are the first one and the last one. The middle ones were okay. Yes, I, I enjoyed them well enough. But the one where he goes back to the Justice League and they're all happy to see him and Naomi is excited and he sort of gives her a, you know, she's, just, she's like, this is so cool. Being in the Justice League and hanging out with you guys is so cool. You guys just talk like regular people and your friends. And he's like, walks sort of walks through the history of the Justice League without it being sledgehammering. And I thought, you know what? Right. If there is a writer who would do this other than Mark Wade, it's Alex Segura who worked at DC forever. And, you know, knows that history backwards and forwards. Yeah. And so we have, you know, little, and it's little nods. It's mostly in the art with where we see the, we see the Morrison era. We see the satellite era. We see the, you know, the original 60s era. And we see references to, to Wade, Mark Wade stories and the Jeff Superman. Like it sort of walks through the entire situation showing her how they've, you know, they've loved and they've lost and they've had fun and they've had tragedy. And, you know, it's all a very, you know. It's a it's a hard thing, even if it seems like it's fun. This is one of those things where it's like, so there's a a bar in the watchtower, and there's a I thought it was just a coffee bar. Well, it's, this is the core bar, huh? and there's a bunch of alcohol bottles back there. I mean, they yeah, could right. also right. have coffee, and, and there's just a bunch of guys in like frumpy security guard outfits in the background. Like, what are those guys gonna do? What is going on? The Hall of Justice is a tourist attraction too right i think the hall of justice are in the watchtower they're not in the watchtower is that thing anymore i don't think so i've got it's a hall of justice that's the whole thing he walks to the hall of justice he feels good about okay it. the solid that makes more sense but so there, i guess that there would be a bar in the hall of justice because they gotta you know I, you know what i don't know that they would i would think like batman would be like that doesn't that's you don't want to mix alcohol with this stuff but but then someone's like we need it for the revenue and he's like no Fine. we don't i'm super rich not anymore remember he's got his, his best friend stole all his money that's the stupidest thing. So, you notice that that Fico Osio, um, if you look through this story, is doing a weird thing with Superman's bulge in every page. I didn't. I did not notice it. Well, I did, and I just <laughs> it's it's in every one of them. Like, okay, you're just you're hanging a brick in there. Is well, that what's going on? Well, he and Lois were banging in Venice, so sure, that's true. It was fun. It was fun. It enough. was fun. I didn't. I didn't mind reading it. Yeah, it was. Uh, it sure. didn't feel long either. It, it was. It was good. You're right. It was a, it was a lot of oversized books this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justice just Society number, Justice Society of America number one. I should say the whole title. Jeff Johns and Michael Jannon with some Jerry Ordway flashback art, and I like this a lot. This must be 
incomprehensible if you don't have at least a working knowledge of Earth 2, Bronze Age, DC Comics. Because <laughs> this is... Jeff Johns is taking everything again, throwing it in the plate. And a lot of this is from from the Bronze Age, Earth 2, Justice League story. Like where Helena Wayne, the daughter of Bruce and Catwoman, Bruce being murdered by just a random dude. This is all straight from those comics in the Bronze Age. Like this is mm-hmm. all all that. And if you don't know that, you may just be like, what is going on here? And I'm, I'm assuming that's what you were thinking. I wasn't super lost, but I kind of expected to. Again, Captain Carrot didn't show up, so we're good. <laughs> if he had, different story. But I, you know, I, I, I knew it wasn't gonna be the thing, and I was a little put off by it. But then at the end, you know, it ends up in 1940, and I was like, all right, I can, I can, I can deal with this. I get, you know, I get who uh, Helena Wayne is. Like right. she's been in enough things. I wasn't super lost. I, I see what you're saying, but I, I was I was good. And I, I mean, it's it really is a matter of I trust the storyteller. He's right. just real good. I mean, so you know, it seems like it's taking place in the in. I, mean, I don't know. I, I, it's dangerous to even put a stake in the ground or anything with DC, but it's in my head. It's taking place in those comics that take place in the DC's future, and then at the end of the story, she, Helena Wayne Huntress gets zapped back to 1940. I guess to where the original Justice Society. Because in this in the future, she's with all the Justice Society's kids, or at least they're they're villain kids. They're all sort of a bunch. The team is a bunch of villain kids, and so that's what yeah. That first part, I was like, I'm glad that's over. <laughs> Although it did make me think about the mist and that I found what many we did about bad DC villains, and the mist was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought uh, I Michael Janet. I'm just going to say Michael. I thought he had a whole Kevin McGuire thing going, which I've never seen from him before. I, yeah. At times I was like, I know this is Michael Jenna, but it doesn't look like Michael Jenna. What is going on? Like in a good way. I mean, he's he's very good. I don't think, but whatever he was doing different, I thought was a real interesting choice, and I liked it a lot. Yeah, I mean, he he tends to lead toward or everyone being real bulky and sexy, kind of in a in a turned up way, and I feel like the cartooning was, I don't know, more fluid. I think it you're was right. Good. You make a good point. Yeah, it the, looked the, really good. I'm just looking at like the, the close ups of the faces. I'm thinking of like. Uh, uh, page fourteen. Helena Wayne's face at the bottom. Um, sort of. Uh, there's one I really thought about it. Where is it? Anyway, well, it was re- very. In, oh, um, page seventeen. Like, look at that whole page. It looks that top panel looks just like Kevin McGuire, and so does the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. It was. I'm excited. Obviously, I don't know why every Justice Society member gets to keep their classic suit, except for Jay Garrick. But whatever. Um, I just I'm excited for this book, and I'm excited for her to be back in time. It, you know, she's knocked out in Johnny Thunder and and the uh, and the, the Genie Finder. So, whatever nonsense Jeff Johns wants to do, I'm down for it. Yeah. So I'm looking through the this is this is some nerd shit I'm about to say. I'm looking through this, and every page is is kind of interesting. There's certain pages where stuff breaks the panel. So if I'm looking at page 13, the heads break the panel and go up into the one above that. And then the one you were talking about, like her crossbow doesn't break the panel. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, there's a, somebody holds a gun up and like that does. And I'm, I just, I'm curious, like what the thinking, uh, 15, page 15, like the gun at the bottom of the page does break the panel above it. I'm just curious, like what makes sometimes that's the choice and other times it's not. Right. I don't know. It's, and, and I, I, 
I just like it. I, I It's one of those things like I don't think there's good or bad or wrong. I just like thinking about like, well, what's the reason here? Because there should be a reason for everything that gets done, you know, mm-hmm. in a perfect world. But I liked it. I didn't love it. Um, I thought it was um, ambitious. And I like that part about it. And I like that that Jeff Johns, uh, he kind of he seems to be able to do whatever he wants to. And I'm I trust him to do that. So that's cool. And, and he wants to do this weird sort of, sort of uh, out of time. Uh, all continuities booked and the Justice Society is a good place to do it. Yeah, and he loves, you know, he's done great Justice Society stories for years and years and years, so there's no reason to think that he's going to blow it on this. DC's Grifter Got Run Over by a Reindeer, which is DC's latest holiday special. And I got to give him, give him credit for the title. Even though I am annoyed by Wildstorm being the DC Universe and don't really care about mm-hmm. Grifter, it's a good title. It doesn't make sense, but I don't need it to. Well, it's playing Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. I know, I get it, but why Grifter? Because it just says the G. It starts with GR. And this, I guess. This, 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 the syllables work. Okay. That's really it. I enjoyed this a lot more than I expected to. Interesting. Um, not all of it. It's like any anthology one, but I, I, I loved the Frankenstein Snowman story. I loved it. <laughs> it, it was, was interesting. There's there's about four pages, four panels on the second page, and uh, like all of the, um, sorry, this is by Dave Walgaz, uh with um, PJ Holden on art, and like everything that Frankenstein did, and it was funny. I remember Lemire did a Frankenstein book, and it was super serious, and I was like, yeah. I can't get it. But in this, just like I'm no stranger to agony, snowman. I bring you hellfire. <laughs> and he shoots the snowman, and he holds his head up, and the, the head of the snowman says, "I won't hurt anyone else." And they go on a quest together, and he holds in, his head in front of him like Hamlet. Yeah, for a couple of pages, you know, they they end up with this weird group. You've got Grodd and Superman, and they go on this weird quest. Yeah. And it was very silly. It was interesting to see the, I mean, obviously that's why they read it, but the parallels between sort of the traditional holiday snowman character and Frankenstein mm-hmm. as being sort of these creatures of random parts and, you know, the, the, the commiseration between the two of them for being creations yeah. from other people yep. was interesting. I was like, oh, okay. Then, then you got this middle section, which not so much. Uh, well, there's, there's eight <laughs> stories and. I would say you. I would say you had more misses than hits. I, I, there were some I enjoyed, but for some of them, I was just like, yeah. "Okay, it's just over." But I mean, I think the thing is, is that like you're right. But the first couple set a really good tone for me, mm-hmm. uh, and I, and I really enjoyed them. I I was unable to finish the um, Max Bemis, uh, not so silent night story. I can't. But it was like about a band. Oh yeah, it was yeah. Horrendous. I didn't finish that one either. Honestly, it was it was like. I was like, what are all these words? This doesn't make sense. This is And we terrible. like Max Bemis's, but I just Yeah, didn't, didn't the Harley Quinn stuff wasn't great. Um, you know. I liked but, the Batman one, and I liked the... Um, I actually liked the Grifter one, mostly because it had interesting art, but... I liked the Animal Man story, too. I mean, it was grim, but I was like, ugh. He went through some shit, but he had to go back to his family and be there, and, and I kind of was just like, oh, I miss Animal Man. I haven't seen him in a while. And yeah, the Grifter story wasn't bad. Great art in it. Yeah, it... it you know these these holiday specials are usually hit and miss these days. You know, in the yeah. old days they might have put better talent on them, and they might have, you know. But this is more like this feels more like a tryout book. And not all these people on this book are yeah. are unknown names like Derek Friedholz and Dustin Quinn on the Grifter story, at least part of it. But and John Layman, and you had Max Bemis and people who have David Lapham. People have done you know, a lot of work, but a lot of people names you don't know, so it can be hit and miss. But ultimately, it was enjoyable enough. 
I mean, if a couple of them hit, then you're like, great. You know, like I'm, I'm just, I don't know, it doesn't bother me. Right. I'm different than I used to be. <laughs> You've changed. Well, it wasn't a super busy week either. <laughs> no, it certainly wasn't bad. I've read, I've read worse. Much. So one thing DC does, tends to do in these fifth week things is they, they dump annuals on us. Annuals used to have a purpose. They don't seem to have a purpose anymore. There was I read three this week. I want to talk about two of them. And both of them, I want to point out, if you didn't read them and you were reading the regular books, you should pick up because these are just another issue of the regular series, which is just, I think, annoying. Yes. Batgirls 2022, annual number one, written by the regular Batgirl team of Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad with art by Robbie Rodriguez. And this was really fun. This is my favorite one of all the annuals this week in which I love a body swap story. Give me a body swap story and I will I will take <laughs> take it. And this one, a mystical coin swaps Stephanie and Cassandra's bodies. So they are now stuck going on adventures. You know, Stephanie, who won't shut up, now has to pretend to be Cass. And Cass, who, who doesn't talk, has to pretend to be Stephanie. And they both get kidnapped by their respective parents at the end, Clue Master. And uh, what is Cassie's mom? I always mix her up with Talia. It's uh, the other one. It's, I don't know. Is it? It's, it's the other really dangerous lady Shiva, lady Shiva, isn't and that, that is, which is different than the lady Deathstrike, which is because there's yeah. the Wolverine one. Yeah, no, it's that, like that's the same horrible. character. Okay, I know so that. It, this was just a really fun adventure in between arcs, but it's also continuing on in Batgirl. <laughs> so it's like a, it's a two part story. Part two is in the regular book. So if you didn't pick this up and you're reading Batgirls, you might want to go back and get it. But it's really enjoyable. These are fun characters. I like this friendship a lot between Cass and Stephanie. I still think Cass talks about 50% too much. She, should, she shouldn't say more than three or four words at a clip. But uh-huh. she's a good character. She's one of our favorite characters in the DC universe, mm-hmm. you and I. And I'm, I'm, I'm liking this book quite a bit. And I love, a, I love the body swap story. Like I said, it's fun. Nightwing 2022 annual number one, Tom Taylor wrote with Eduardo Pansica on art and Again, this continues on into the Nightwing book. And here we have the origin of the Heart Guy. What is his name? I don't know anything today. Heart Taker. Heart Taker. Heart Heart Taker. Heartbreaker. Don't you mess around with me. You read this, I assume. Yeah, I did. And and I I kind of agree with you that it's just another issue. But also it is – I always think of like there's there's origin stories took took place in Preacher out of the main series. So there's an argument for this to be made. Uh, Either way, I – really enjoyed this story and i think this would have been weird in the main book quite honestly because it's a little like here's the psychopath so he did a good job tom taylor of so the heart taker is basically like a mirror image batman he uh he was a super rich guy who had a psychopath for a butler who ended up raising him after the the heart taker kid killed his parents or no the butler killed him by accident and uh and he his his worst impulses were were basically encouraged by the psychopath butler who was not even the real no, butler. He, he killed the parents on pers- purpose. He injured the heart taker kid. Oh, that's right. Accident. He didn't want the kids, the parents raising the kid anymore, so he blew up their helicopter. Right. And then they tied it into the main main book by showing that this heart taker guy was one of the kids who beat up another kid at school that caused Dick and Barbara to meet. And the, there, there was a sequence in the early on in the series where. We had a flashback where Dick, you know, stopped a bunch of bullies, and then Barbara got involved, and that's how they met. But also, and, his like psychopath awakening was watching Dick's parents die at the circus. Right. 
that was their I mean, other it's, connection. It's, this is a very comic book. You're like, here, we're going to insert this guy yeah. to the, into the... And it worked, but it worked. Yes. And the, you know, creepy psycho butler who is like this guy's mentor and father figure and the way that they sort of con- constructed him out of parts again, kind of like Frankenstein where they... He's, he, he, he gets uh, a new heart because in the accident, he, his heart's damaged and then ends up giving him a new like cybernetic arm and then at the end he gets heart he gets blockbusters heart so he has this giant pumping heart that he can use to fight it's pretty great it was this fun. was fun this was it good was super fun yeah. also and i don't want to we got to move on because it's short yeah. but dick grayson is a terrible fat owner it just just his lifestyle does not <laughs> uh does not um afford the pet the best possible yeah, that's the little, little backup success. story where he uh the day in the life of a uh, night bite bite wing but no. To me, I got caught up on so the Dick's at home. He's spending it. We, we're we going to move on. Dick's at home, spending it with with Bitewing, and he's reading in his messy apartment. And Barbara calls, says, "Hey, I'm on I'm downstairs. I'm being I'm being spontaneous and fun." And he's like, "Sorry, I'm hanging out with the dog." And she's like, hey, "Here's a picture of me. Here's what I'm wearing underneath the, this the coat I'm wearing." And he was like, "Oh shit, I'm on my way down." I know. And what then you're saying. We, we cut down, and she's just wearing a regular like calf length dress under her coat. A long, baggy calf length dress. I know. I was like, "What? What?" what? Maybe he just likes that color on her with, his, with her hair. It's just like there was a miscommunication between yeah. the script and the artist. Like she's either supposed to be wearing a sexy dress or it should have said, here's what I'm wearing under the dress. But it, when, when we cut to the picture, I was like, she's wearing a calf like you, turquoise. You're upset because you were promised sexiness and you didn't get any. I didn't get sexiness. <laughs> you didn't. That's, I mean, that's, that's no. a, I, I, I thought the same thing when I read it. I'm not mad about it, but you're absolutely right. Strange number eight. Is yeah. it its own number because it's its own story? It's, I mean, it's kind of Doctor Strange, know. but I don't I'm not know. Reading it, so Strange know. number eight is a weird book for me because I always think I'm not going to like it. I was like, yeah. I don't know why I'm reading this. And then I start reading and I was like, I am kind of interested. I like that, uh, you know, Doctor Strange, it, you know, it's he's dead, but he's not really dead. And he's on a different adventure. And, they, and I thought there was a really interesting little bit where uh, they can't touch each other because she is the Sorcerer Supreme and he's the aspect Clea. of death and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Clea. Strange. Uh, Sorcerer Supreme. Um, I, I, you know, it's not like a great book, but it's one that I think Jed McKay has a has a thing where he does, you know, really good sort of single issues and and series with, you know, characters who are not necessarily, uh, you know, top tier. They're B or C list people. I think sure. you know we saw him do that with the Catwoman book. Um, not Catwoman, Black Cat. It's you, you yes. can see like the similarities of these characters come out like several times where, where they have their uh, equivalent over at the other publisher because we're constantly getting them in Lady Shiva, Deathstrike, which is right. Catwoman now Black well, yeah, Panther. A... It's Mockingbird. It's Black Canary. It's <laughs> yeah, especially the women. It seems to get anyway. I it, I just uh, I enjoy it. Also, uh, this had Stefano Landini um, on art, which is a name I hadn't heard in a while. Um, mm-hmm. but I remember he, he showed up a lot, I think on Vertigo books for a while, but I thought it looked great. There was a couple of times just reading the book where I was like, Oh, this is really, uh, lovely, lovely art. Um, from the guy who's not normally on it. I don't think. Stillwater 16, we're heading towards the final, which is 18 is the final issue. <clears throat> Regular team, Chip Zdarsky, Roman Perez. And this is the flashback to tell us how this town came to be. And I found it unsatisfying. And I think that sometimes it's just best to be like, Hey, this is just a magical town and we don't know why no one dies here. And that's good enough. I, we don't need to explain. Every I, detail. Uh, I agree with that, but I did like that. The woman is still there. Yes. That part made it interesting to me 
because that to me is a really fascinating concept is like what is a woman who has been alive since before the civil war going to think of the world as it exists now and and instead of being like i don't trust your world and and magic like she was there while it all came along just like we did with the internet or with whatever and i find that fascinating because that's one of the reasons that i read history is because i like to try to connect how people used to be to how they are now they're not gonna have a lot of time to work with it but i, I do like right. the concept that's my, my what, edition. What was the source of the curse? Was it the priest? I don't know. I don't care. Oh no, she had no. It was her blood. That's right. It was the, the, some demon showed up as her dead son because this takes place in the Civil War and yeah, and her she yeah. bites his finger and then d- d- dips it in the ink and then she draws the boundaries of the town in that in that demon blood and that's how the curse happens. We, we didn't need fine. any of that. Didn't need it. And I'm fine. Need it. I mean, I, I agree with you in that way, but but as a way to get like a character like that. But they should have done it earlier, so I, we we could have played with it more. I think. Yeah. So those are the books we're going to talk about. Not tons of books, but they were they were solid enough. But over at Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy, all the patrons who are supporting the show get to vote to add a book to the rundown. Every patron, one patron, one vote. And this week, by the margin of one vote, a squeaky a squeaker, a squeaker, a squeaky squeaker. The winner was Avengers Assemble Alpha Number One. By Jason Aaron, Brian Hitch, Andrew Curry, Alex Sinclair, and Corey Pettit. This this beat Justice Society of America by one vote. And this is another oversized book. It's what's well, like I mean, it's forty two digital pages, but it's probably like sixty pages. There's a lot of double page mm-hmm. spreads. Yeah, and I have Brian Hitch. I've read every issue of Jason Aaron's regular Avengers run, and I'm putting red in quotes because a couple of them I skimmed because I just there's just some of the stuff I just haven't cared about, like the Star Brand or the anytime the star brand or the prehistoric Avengers show up, I just I skim, just don't care. <laughs> but I've read them at least, I've held them in my hands on this iPad and read them. But I haven't read any Avengers forever except for that one issue, the first one. Yep, same. And I haven't, so I have no idea what's going on in this story. And this is basically the from what I can tell, the connective tissue between Avengers and Avengers Forever and all leading together into the this, this the final arc of Jason Aaron's Avengers run, which has been going on for a very long time. Mm-hmm. drawn by Brian Hitch featuring some character called Avenger Prime from the future who we don't know is wearing he's wearing a suit and a Thor helmet and uh, fighting Mephisto involving a very long misunderstanding fight between the current Avengers and the prehistoric Avengers and that's it that's all I can say I mean that, that's that's a classic you know team up stuff they gotta fight yeah. for a while first we all just accept it as a thing and that part was fine I mean, my my review is probably the same thing that I told you earlier in, early in the week when I didn't know it was going to be patron pick, and I w- was almost sure you weren't going to read it. So I was mm-hmm. like, it wasn't bad. It wasn't great. It was better than I expected because the Avengers Forever stuff I found completely unsatisfying. Mm-hmm. This one, you know, like I, I, I knew the characters where I liked all the stuff coming together. I, I had fun reading it. I was interested to see Brian Hitch, but I do think that Brian Hitch is a is an artist I used to get much more excited about than I do now. Um, I don't think that he's bad or has gotten worse. It just was so revolutionary at the time, and now it just you know well, he was an innovative artist twenty years yeah. ago, and his style hasn't changed at all. And, and so, it doesn't really mesh with modern comics as much for whatever reason. It's not bad. I thought. In fact, I thought this no. was this was. It, you're right. You're right. You're good right. Good Hitch, and, and you know we've seen a lot yeah. of him. You know over the years lately and I thought this was solid I thought there was some yes, there was some fun absolutely. panels here there was a 
you know, if you if you want a guy who's going to draw a giant battle sequence that takes up most of the book, that's probably he's probably a good guy to get. He is, and uh, it was fine. I just don't have any context. I don't really care about the prehistoric Avengers. I I, I don't like the concept. You know, I don't really like uh, legacy in the sense like every hero is part of a lot lineage of heroes. Like I just don't like that stuff in general, and with very rare exceptions. Um, I, I mean, I don't. I don't. I've just I've had trouble connecting any of the prehistoric Avengers for whatever reason. So I, when I say I don't care about them, it's like they've been around. I've had lots of chances to, but I don't find it super interesting for whatever reason. I think if you took those out of this whole thing, I would probably like it more. I mean, when I say the whole thing, I mean like the entire run. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been bits of it that I've liked a lot. I liked, um, I liked the vampire stuff. I liked you know the the thing with um, not detective. The guy. I did it again. I did it again. Their ape guy, um, you know, uh, and the the Russian vampires, all that. I stuff. I think the other thing is that he really likes Ghost Rider, mm-hmm. I, and I just don't really care. Like he seems Ghost Rider seems to, and I would get it. He wrote the Ghost Rider he book wrote, for a while. It was one of his first series yeah. too, and he's he's placed him centrally in these stories. And I just I, I'm fine with Ghost Rider as a spice in a stew, but I don't want a Ghost Rider stew, mm-hmm. and. Just because it's just personal taste, I just don't care about Ghost Rider. So you add all these elements up, and it's just not a book that connects with me at all, really. So I didn't think it was fun. Like I, 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 I enjoyed reading it. I didn't it think it wasn't it, bad. It did, like I said, it, it no. was, it wasn't bad. It just was like I don't connect. I'm not connecting with this outside of sort of clinically reading it and, and trying to mm-hmm. find some, you know, enjoyment in the way it's put together. And I, I mean, to be honest, I really, I thought it was. I was like, this is probably going to be a mess. Because it's bringing all of those characters together, and I, I didn't, I didn't find it that way. Right. Um. So yeah. So Avengers Assemble Alpha number one. So it continues into Avengers sixty three and Avengers Forever twelve. I feel like they should have done this after Avengers Forever ended, and then gone into Avengers like streamline it. Avengers Forever is the whole thing with Nighthawk. I don't know, man. Nighthawk was in this book. I know, I know, but like, so they, Nighthawk is a little, little like the Marvel Cap and Carrot for me. <laughs> that guy shows up and I'm like, mm. I'm out. Mentally, yeah. Ratings, Avengers Assemble Alpha number one out of five, uh, 2.75. 3.25. Are you going to stick with, I mean, I sticking with, I mean, I, don't, I guess this is just a one shot, so. I mean, I'm not going to stop reading the Avengers book. But you're not reading Avengers Forever. No. All right. Does it all go back and forth? Is it like a crossover no thing? No idea. All right. Well, we'll see. Yeah. So there you go. Patreon, Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Every patron can add a book to the rundown. And uh, let's talk about the patron pick. I'm sorry. Let's talk about the patron power, and then we'll do the other thing. Okay. If you give it a $5 or a higher level, you get a superpower live on the show. It's our, it's our thank you for being a patron. And we like to do this fun little game in which you get a superpower. And we don't guarantee you'll like it. And we don't guarantee that it'll be fun. But it'll be there. It'll have You'll have it forever. Sure. Ian Craig can feel kind of like, almost like a Jedi thing, but not exactly. But he can feel w- what other people are feeling about him in the moment. But it's it's accurate as opposed to I it's think accurate. all these people hate me or it's accurate and and, okay. and it's not just that's really helpful. It's not just someone like face to face. It's like if there's someone in the world mm-hmm. that's like Ian Craig, that son of a bitch. He's like ooh, some there's someone who does not like me right now. 
Or that's Ian Craig. I'd like to find out more about this guy in a sexy way. He's like, oh, someone's uh, having some sexy thoughts about me right now. He can feel like a disturbance in the force, but for emotions about him. I mean that that's it's inc- it would be incredibly useful. Sure, but also you know if for some reason you are not likable, <laughs> or uh, or any kind of public facing figure, sure. where lots of people you know. I'm not, I'm not talking about us at all. I'm just saying, like in general, like if you're like an act, you know famous actor oh, yeah. or something, you're just like people just think get all the time. It's just unrelenting right. thoughts about you. So you just like keep a low profile. But like, I would want to know. I would want to know that a lot of people liked me. Sure, but I wouldn't want to know that a lot of people didn't like me. And that's a double-edged sword. His name, Ian Craig, is uh, a, a mix-up of Ian Fleming and Daniel Craig, and so I'm just picturing him in a tuxedo. He's super Bondy. He's just always in a tuxedo. He's always yeah. drinking martinis. He's got a drinking problem. Let's face it. <laughs> He's functional though. <laughs> he gets his, he gets his work done and his family, but he he does have to have a martini in the morning. Wow, morning, Not and, a, and a watered down shaken one. Sure, obviously. So thanks, Ian, for being a patron. Patreon.com slash ifanboy. That's where he went he went to support the show. We thank everyone who has supported us throughout the years and through this year. It's we're getting down to the end of the year. And we thank everyone who's done that throughout. We, we have all kinds of fun things that happen because of the patrons. We have all these extra shows we do because of the patrons. And so we try to reward them with fun things like the patron power and the patron pick and the patron hangout. And we have the discord community and the Facebook community. And as we've been talking about, uh, the new stretch goals are coming. We actually have a meeting on the books about it. It's a meeting. It's happening. And we will be unveiling those new stretch goals, I believe, in January. So... They're coming. And there's just some fun new ideas to sort of spice things up. You know, we've been in this relationship for a while. It's time to spice it up a bit. Get spice some uh, new things going on. New toys. New, Make it spicy. You know, some some costumes. Things like that. So you'll be hearing about those soon. Fambo.threadless.com is where you can buy our t-shirts. We've got 12 different designs. Fambo.com slash support is where you can tip via PayPal. Fambo.com slash Amazon is where you can buy books. Uh, like their books, load books, or uh, the comics you, you read. Uh, we talk about the show. Or music you hear and bookshop.org is our partner for the help independent bookstores we put the links onto the website where we're applicable and those that those links help independent bookstores all across the united states and i'm maybe it's international it may not be but those are all the ways people help to support the show and it's important i know this part seems very businessy and 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 not beggy but you know solicitous but that's how the bills get paid i just i was just doing the books and it's not 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 nothing so uh, it helps us keep the show going, if only from from a bill-paying standpoint, so it doesn't cost us money to do the show. And we get a little bit of money for our time and effort from being away from our families. And no one's getting rich off this. No one's even working full-time on this anymore. So we do thank you, everyone who has helped support the show and kept going just from a logistical standpoint. We couldn't do it without you. So thank you very much. We appreciate that. I don't know how we are doing on time because we babbled after you hit record. So I think we, I think we have some time. Oh, we absolutely have time. We absolutely okay. have time to to uh, handle Carl's question, which is this leads to more questions right away. Okay, whose origin and backstory is more convoluted, DC's Power Girl or Marvel's Captain Marvel? Now, right away, I have questions. Okay, which so Captain right off the top of your head, as a longtime reader of comics, what is Power Girl's origin? I don't know. Okay, let's just say we're talking about Carol Danvers, right? Because what's I actually Captain know Marvel's origin. I don't know either of those origins. 
Now, the fact right. is, the answer to this question is always Hawkman. But we have to put that out of the way. There's no right. point in talking about origins and the answer not, wait, convoluted origins, the answer not being Hawkman, Hawkman. or Hawk Girl or the combination of them. But let, let's just, we'll brush that aside. Do you know there, you must know Power Girl's origin. Off the top of my head, not really. I mean, part wow. of why she's convoluted is because uh, she's had several different ones, depending on what sure. era of comics you're at. And at a certain point, other than like a handful of characters, a lot of characters have convoluted origin stories. Mm-hmm. You know, they just it just happens. They, they change them. People who are not like in the top tier, they get, they're constantly being changed. But no, I don't know. You know, at one point, Power Girl, I think her original origin was she was Kryptonian. That was yeah. like the pre-crisis uh, silver bronze age. Is she no longer Kryptonian? Uh, she was Atlantean for a while. That's bad. Yeah. I don't she even know what she Kryptonian is now anymore. In my mind. Huh. That sounds pretty convoluted. I'm going to be honest. Uh, in, in the New 52, she was from Earth 2. Oh, right. I remember that. I remember that. And then that got changed. Kryptonian like, from Earth 2? I don't. So I, I don't even know. Gun to my head, I don't know what what her origin is currently. Like the super, the Power Girl you see in comics, I don't know, and it doesn't really necessarily matter. Now, when we're going over to Captain Marvel, as I said, we actually know Marvel's origin. We we read it. We did a book split on it. Now, Carol Danvers. Now, to me, what's interesting about this, and also there's been several Captain Marvels in addition to that. Sure, Janice Fell, uh, 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 Photon. Spectrum, yep. whatever. Spectrum, photo, yeah. um, she's actually the first Captain Marvel I ever knew. Sure, um, yeah. And Carol Danvers' first thing that I knew is she was Warboard, Warbird in Lucia and Perez's uh, Avengers. That's where I first met her. Sure. So as far as I'm concerned, her origin is that she's always been some version of Captain Marvel. I know she was a pilot prior to that. And I know I, I don't count the movie. Uh, right. I love the movie. The movie's great, whatever. Um, but in comics, I have no idea. Right. Like she's got a sister who's Cree, I guess. Uh, so that oh, remember, that... remember we saw her. We, you know, we did the we did the book explode about Captain Marvel, the original one. Oh yeah, she worked at the base, right? And and in those stories they had the old stories, the original. She was she was just a you know an officer on the base that he worked at. Or she wasn't a pilot in that. encounter. No, she was like uh, she was the security chief. Remember, she was in charge of of the base, okay. keeping the base safe. That's crazy they gave her that job in the 60s. <laughs> and so I remember there was an explosion. Do you remember that? Yes. Yes. And he saved her. And that's about all I know of her origin. I mean, if we're comparing the two of them, it seems like it's Power Girls. <laughs> well, because I think she's only had the one, Captain, Mar- Captain Marvel. So, yeah. If, if you have one origin and you're up against someone with like three, then you win with the one. It's nice to not think about the origins sometimes. Sometimes it matters, and other times just like, okay, here's Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel. We right, know like what Batman's like. is important, Superman's is important, Spider-Man's is important, Captain America's is important, Wolverine's is important. But for the most mm-hmm. part, they're not necessarily important. Like, they're interesting. Yeah. I love origin stories, but they're sure. not necessarily germane to the day-to-day activities of the character. And I would say Power Girl and Captain Marvel fall in that category. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I guess there must be a reason why he considers Captain Marvel's origin to be convoluted. I just don't know what it is. Can I can I say something? I don't like Power Girl that much. But it's because I can't place her. If she's a Kryptonian, then she's, by default, one of the most powerful characters. You know, like, there's no reason that Supergirl 
and Power Girl are not equal to Clark Kent. Right. And, well, and by putting her in there, you are automatically making her a, 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 a top-end character. But she's not. She's like a C-level character. Right. And that doesn't make sense. This is the thing where you can't you can't compare like Flash to Superman for speed because there's no answer. And anytime you are trying to give one, you are taking away something from the other one. And, well, the, and, the answer is the Flash is faster. Jeff right, Johns established but, that. Those are charity, Clark. And that's fine. But that, but in a way, making him faster makes him more powerful than Superman is my point. Yeah, I mean, they're all at a certain point. It becomes a problem right, this if, is, you, but if everything, you drill down too deeply. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Everything undercuts everything else. But Power Girl, for like for real, it it I just don't know where she fits in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like Power Girl. That that Jimmy Palmiotti Amanda Connor series was terrific. Judge when I took it mm-hmm. over, it was still terrific. For, like it was a great series, and so I like her script. Plus, she was in the old Justice League International book, so I, I like it from back mm-hmm. then. So I was, she's a character I've always enjoyed. Uh, however, I think I just mentally don't know what to do with her. I get it. However, she's sort of a lost character, you know. Yes, she, right now, and. It's a problem. It's not a problem. It's not a problem. I was going to say it's a problem it's a, when, you're, when you're constantly mixing up who the character is, but it's wait. It's awaiting a solution, though. It's it's it, like she needs something. I can't say I thought about her origin when I read that Power Girl book. That was terrific. I can't say right. I thought about it for one moment. I didn't. You know, it didn't really matter if you if someone says, "Oh, that's a fun book." Well, who, who is she? Where she come from? I don't know. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Captain Marvel, on the other hand, Carol Danvers, like she has a very solid place in the Marvel universe. She's, and I like yeah. it. She's a leader. She's powerful. She's not all powerful, but you know, but she's a human, you know, she has friends. She has a life. Well, is she part um, Cree? Like, is that part of the confusion? I think that either she's part Cree or she, I feel like she was experimented on or modified by the Cree in some way. And that is why she has a sister now. Cause it's probably Cree genetics were, were like wound into her. Mm-hmm. And I think that's in like whoever it came from, but it is maybe unrelated. that's the convoluted part. I mean, I don't know how she initially got her powers because, like, it's like I don't either. You know, she had that explosion in that book we read, and 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 Captain Marvel saved her. And then I think, uh, from what I'm reading now, the next time she shows up, she just says powers. I don't know how they said that. Oh, mm-hmm. it's revealed the energy explo- exposure from the explosion of the device called the Psyche Magnetron. I remember that mm-hmm. caused Denver's Denver's genetic structure to melt with Captain Marvel's. So she basically. Became a human creek hybrid from that explosion because of that All right. bomb. That's how she got powers. Whatever. Doesn't matter. The other email we have here is good. I would like to keep it for later. I don't want to do it now. Well, we have to do it next week. Oh, we got the bankruptcy coming. Well, we make the rules, Connor. Let me ask you one, one final question before we move on. Sure. Who appeared first? Ooh. Captain Marvel? I feel like it's a trick question because or I want to say Girl. Captain Marvel. We're talking about Carol Danvers. I have no idea where Power Girl showed up. She feels like an 80s thing to me, but okay, you're going to so tell me she's from the 40s. The, the answer is not actually easy because, oh, okay. Power Girl's first appearance was 1976. That's Okay, that sounds right. Carol Danvers' first appearance was 1968 as Carol Danvers, but as sure. a superhero was 1977. So they basically appeared as a, at the same time. That's the same. That's the same time that I first appeared as a superhero. Yeah, she's been Miss Marvel, Binary, Warbird, and Captain Marvel. Her first appearance as a superhero, she was Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. Like, like the same name as the character now. Right, right. But she's been promoted. Yeah, she was Ms. Marvel. She was, she was looking for her husband. 
I assume in the 1970s, that's what their stories were about. I like her. So, good question, Carl. I don't know. I don't have an answer. Whose origin of Back is more convoluted? It's Power Girl. The, the real two. question is, is the convolution, is that the right word? Is that uh, a negative or a positive? Depends on the story, but overall, exactly. I think it's actually irrelevant. Yeah, in fact, but in some ways, like, it's kind of fun. Like, but again, not with Hawkman. Hawkman, don't, you don't. Hawkman. I love Hawkman, but man, they just can't, they can't make a decision. Even then, this Hawkman appearance this week in that, in that book. Mm -hmm. And I'll have to play up his convoluted origin story. Get away from it. Run, run, run screaming from it. You can't do it. It is the unsolvable theorem. It is the, what's the, what's the, uh, what's the Star Trek one? The Kobayashi Maru? Yes, the Kobayashi Maru of uh, of origin stories comic books. You can only win by cheating. Contact.fanboy.com. Next week's our last show. and After that, we, we uh, go email bankruptcy. We start fresh. So you gotta ha- send us in a really good question this week. You got you got a week to get it to us if you want to get on this <laughs> show. Otherwise, hold it till January. And also for the media split as well. Same thing. So out now is the Black Panther Wakanda Forever Review, the media split year in mailbag, and this this past week we had the Batman Superman Battle of the Super Sons special edition animation brain trust show. We got it done. We were able to do it. It's out right now behind the show. And check that out. And then coming up this week, we'll have our final book explode of the year. Josh and I will be talking about Namor Visionaries, John Byrne, Volume One, which will be coming out on the eighth of December. And then that following weekend we'll have Pick a Week eight fifty nine, which will be the final pick of the week of the year. And the week the week after that on December 18th, we will have our all-media year-end roundup, which is our traditional year-end show, in which we recount the things that we've been enjoying outside of comics throughout the year. And then we'll be back with Pickle Week 860 in January of uh, 2023 on the 8th of January. <laughs> Good, I went in a weird stuff. way, and I just kept going. And I circled back around. Yeah, I, the... I got I, I caught that. Because for a second, you're like, January 08. I was going to say January of 08. And I was like, that's weird. That I was a long myself. time ago. Yeah. Get over to ifhitbar.com. You can find all of the shows and the history of comic book writing that have all been there from the writers and folks that we have uh, employed and worked with over the years. You can go to facebook.com slash ifanboy or at ifanboy on Twitter and at ifanboycomics on Instagram where you can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. You can follow Connor and I on Instagram at cskillpatrick and at ja flanagan. And there is our YouTube page at youtube.com slash ifanboy. All of the old video shows that we did are there and this show is posted every single week. Yeah. Subscribe, don't like, don't comment, don't, I don't care. <laughs> just, just, to, just to keep it different from how other people treat YouTube. We're never going to get any, you know, we're not going to make money from it. Uh, so, so, you know, it's there for your your convenience yeah it's just like a nice that. thing we do yeah for you <laughs> not for us it takes time it did sometimes it doesn't go up on sunday sometimes things happen it doesn't go up till monday well sometimes things no. happen and doesn't go up till like wednesday just because things happen but no one was like where the hell's the youtube show doesn't matter yeah sometimes but that's okay, okay. there was a week where it was late like a week but that's because some, something happened uh where are we if you like the show Consider leaving a review or star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I, you know, we should mention it's, it's that time of the year where everyone who listens to Spotify feels like you need to know what they listen to. And I don't have Spotify. I feel like I'm, I'm out of that whole thing. I don't either. I, I don't have a Spotify. Someone sent me a link to a Spotify thing yesterday. I clicked on it and it's like, sign up for Spotify. And I was like, I don't want to sp- sign up for Spotify. I have my vinyl records and my Apple Music. I don't need anything other than that. So, where are we talking about? Oh, anyway, wherever you listen to podcasts, I'm just so what I'm saying is 
Apple Podcasts, previously called, what was it called before? Just podcasts, I guess. iTunes. iTunes. Um, it was in iTunes. Used to be like 75% of the listenership. Now it's, it's down to 30 because there's a lot more places you can listen to podcasts now. But it's still the number one venue. But, you know, we're much more diversified in how people listen to our show. Spotify. Audible does podcasts and, and Spotify. Yeah. And, uh, I think Spotify is about 10% of how people listen to the show. 10% of no, the listeners. No it's a good healthy number after yeah. just one year of being on Spotify. So anyway, my point is this. If you can rate or review a show wherever you listen to them, please consider doing so. It's our end of the year, as our end of the year gift for us. Please do that because it helps people find the show. It helps the algorithm, and we appreciate that. All we're trying to do out here is talk about comics and feed the algorithm. That's all we do. It needs it. It's hungry. You can't not, you can't not feed the algorithm. It's thirst is unquenchable. part of the world. Yes. And thank you. And next week's our final show of the year. We'll be back to talk about the comics that came out that week, and we'll be saying thank you, and we'll be having a good time. And until then, I'm Connor. And I am Namor, king of the sovereign seas, and my crotch is out towards you. Oh, we didn't even talk about the fact that he gave Namor the old haircut in the Avengers book this week. I was like, oh, no one told Brian Hitch he's got long hair now. Good. Yeah. 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 Yeah.